Good morning. Happy New Year to each and every one of you. I was asking several folks throughout the morning of just, hey, what are you going to do tonight? Celebrate. And I heard pajamas and junk food. I'm going to bed early and I'm going to make out with my husband. Now, husband, I will tell you this. Your wife told me that. You are in the audience. If you want to know if that's you. Of course, the other side of that was, was, wasn't my wife who said it. So. Anyway, ah, it's good, end of the year. Last Sunday, last day of 2023, which means, literally, millions and millions of New Year's resolutions are just hours away from kicking in. Tomorrow at this time, gobs and gobs of people will be locked in, fully committed to their New Year's resolutions. How many of you are here today doing that? Not a per- one person. Okay. Change. Well, listen to this. According to Forbes, health, a poll was taken just two months ago. So the poll is recent. It's new. I've got a chart for you to even see it. This is what people are interested in in resolutions. Here it comes. You can see it. There are several things on there, all the way from, yep, you can pretty much guarantee what's at the top of the list. Like, I'm not sure how many years the top five have been the top five, but they've pretty much been always the top five, right? So 48% people are improving their fitness, 38 improving finances, mental health there, lose weight, diet, yep, get all those things, more time with loved ones. If you own a business, I'm sorry to say that perform better at work. Nobody cares about doing that, basically. And so uh, hire wisely. Those are the stats according to Forbes. And personally, I think now lived a long enough life to realize that there are a couple groups, a few groups of people that exist that when it comes to New Year's resolutions, there are people who love them. Apparently not in this room, but apparently there are people who love them. There are some people who despise them. And there are people who are, like you, indifferent to them. The I love New Year's resolution group people are super excited for the new year, just chomping at the thought of starting their new resolutions. A new year, a new me, new opportunities, new goals, new resolutions. Like, I am definitely saving money this year. I am saving money this year. Guaranteed. Going to do it. I've got the brown bag, lunches all packed. I'm not going out to eat. And everything's great. And then the Chick-fil-A cravings. And then we find out if that resolution is really legit or not. Or I am going to exercise more this year. Just like the chart said, I'm going to do it. I'm going to get in shape. I'm going to lose weight. All those things are there. I even bought a membership to the gym, which sort of hurts the saving the money part. But it's a justified expense. I've got everything there. My gym clothes are packed. I found my shoes in the back of the closet. I even cleared off The treadmill from all the clutter that came from last year's resolution, it's ready to go. My Fitbit is charged. The app is there. I'm counting calories, counting my steps. It's good to go. Until that midnight, late night ice cream cravings. (laughs) And certainly we cannot forget that very first big workout of the year. What happens to your body for the next three days? You are, every muscle in your body is screaming at you. Stop! Don't do this! What are you doing? You're trying to kill me! That's a real thing. 
And if you haven't been working out for a while and you have a New Year's resolution, which apparently no one in here does, but if you do have that, you're going to be sore. Mm. There are lots of reasons why New Year's resolutions are a bust. Survey after survey suggests that it does not take very long into the new year where they are gone. As a matter of fact, I'm going to give you two dates that we now unofficially, officially commemorate as failure dates. Did you know this exists? The second Friday of January, you can look it up, second Friday of January, that's January 12th for this year, is known as Quitter's Day. For those who make resolutions regarding physical exercise, Quitter's Day, if by some miracle you make it through that day, January 17th is officially known as Ditch Your New Year's Resolution Day. How can it be that in just two to three weeks, we are all in committed with resolutions, and in just those 12, 14, 17 days, we are saying, I am done with that. But for now, it's December 31st, and the I love New Year's resolutions people are happy, happy, happy. They can't wait for the ball to drop. So long, 2023. Hello, 2024. There's a group of people that are that way. There's also the group I absolutely despise New Year's resolution group. This group has become so jaded over the years, so bitter, so anti-resolution, that they roll their eyes in disgust at the thought of, oh, resolutions, here we go again. You have to be careful hanging out with this group of people because if you are in the I love New Year's resolutions, they will absolutely kill your joy. They will steal it right from you. There's a group that exists that are that way. And then there's the third group, everyone in here, the indifferent group, super chill when it comes to New Year's resolutions. Take it or leave it. Yeah, maybe I'll do it. Maybe I won't. If that's pretty much your attitude, I can pretty much tell you where that resolution will end. But that's besides the point. You are just case or sirrah with it. Whatever will be, will be when it comes to New Year's resolution. I think those are the three main groups of people that you have. There might be more, but I think there's three categories there. Now, of course, here we are in a room, which I believe there's probably lots of Christians. And as the end of the year comes, for a lot of us, we might be considering not only New Year's resolutions that are very common in our culture, but also considering individual New Year's resolutions when it comes to our Christianity and our faith. I think for a lot of Christians, we have aspiring goals at the start of the year to love Jesus more, to read our Bibles more consistently, to go to church more often, to do a better job at doing devotions, be better at godliness and holiness and on and on and on. And to be completely honest with you, which I know you should always be honest, being completely honest with you, as one preaching a sermon on New Year's resolution. I would be really happy to think that we could walk out of this building with people motivated, dedicated to serving God better in 2024. That would be a, that, that's a goal. I'm going to say it there. That's a goal of this. But I'm also going to be completely honest and say that it seems way too often that our spiritual resolutions 
often end up in the same failed dumpsters as our dieting and exercising resolutions. So this morning, on this very last day of the year, I want us to think about and consider what role resolutions, specifically New Year's resolutions, have in our life. Are they helpful to us? Or are they just one big setup waiting for failure? What does the Bible say about them? Does it say anything about them? How do we think biblically when it comes to New Year's resolution? So that means we are going to use the Bible as a resource to find out what it says. And as Mario said this morning, it is wonderful how many different types of people we have coming to good news. Which means I realize there may be somebody saying, you're going to use the Bible. I don't even believe the Bible. And I'm going to say to you, to all of us, that's okay. Like, I'm glad you're here. I'm thankful you're here. We can disagree. I respect you. Respect my opinion. Fine. Good. And two, I'll say, if you're interested in learning, like, can the Bible be true? Like, we have sermons on our website. Go to the website. Listen to them. Find out. Study it. Consider it. Work through that process. But this is not going to be a sermon where I'm going to try to validate the Bible. I'm I'm going to speak from the position that the Bible is valid. I'm going to hang truth on verses like 2 Timothy 3.16 that says, All scripture is inspired by God, and it's profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness. We're going to use verses like Psalm 119, 160, and we're going to believe this, that the sum total of your word is truth, And every one of your righteous rules endures forever. So that's the angle that I am speaking from, that the Bible is true. And then third, and I think this is really important for all of us to really get and understand, that though the majority of us in here do believe that the Bible is true, and there might be a small number of people here who don't believe it's true, that regardless, regardless whether you believe it's true or you don't believe it's true, there is a gift from God called the Holy Spirit that has the power to change you as you read it. The person who already believes the Bible needs the power of the Holy Spirit as they read it to change them. And the person who doesn't believe in the Bible can actually start reading the Bible as not believing, and by the time they're done reading, believe. And that is awesome. That is just fabulous to think about, that the Holy Spirit has the power to make unbelieving people believing people, and the Holy Spirit has the power to make believing people better believing people. That's why I get excited to preach. How cool is it to know that every time the Bible is cracked open, That there is the possibility that the Holy Spirit will impact us, change our lives. And that's what we are after again this morning. So let's pray for that. Father, I love you. I'm so thankful that you have given the gift of the Holy Spirit that changes, moves us, directs us, guides us. Specifically for this morning, I'm asking for the Holy Spirit for the Holy Spirit's help in preaching and for the Holy Spirit's help in listening because your word tells us that there is a way, it's a miraculous way that we can think and see and hear spiritually and not just physically. 
So I'm asking, Father, by your grace, give us spiritual thinking minds, spiritual seeing eyes, spiritual hearing ears. Let the power of the Holy Spirit work in us as you deem best. Do this for our good and for your deserving glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. It's probably safe to say that most of us have a good idea already of what New Year's resolutions are. However, I want to start with a basic definition just to make sure that we're all on the same page. So, a resolution, specifically a New Year's resolution, according to the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, is a promise to do something differently in the new year. And it's normally a promise that you make to yourself to start doing something good or to stop doing something bad, and it begins on the very first day of the year. Everyone agree with that? Can can you nod? Yeah, I'm good with that. Are there any of these? Oh, good. All right. You just take it up with Merriam-Webster, not me. He's the one who said it. Okay, but I think that's right. Okay, that's where we are. And while we may have this idea of what New Year's resolutions are today in our culture, you may not know the origin, the beginning of New Year's resolutions. I didn't, and I didn't care until this week. I mean, if I'm being honest. I didn't care, but oh, I'm preaching on it. Where did they even come from? So I did a little research. I hope it's right. I'm going to say it's right, but if it's not right, it's not a flag. I'm not going to die on this hill. But I think I found that over 4,000 years ago, the Babylonians were the ones who started New Year's resolutions. And it came this way. They started it in the spring in their planting season. And they did it at like a big 12-day festival. And the idea was that they were making resolutions to their gods, lowercase g. And they were making promises. Not promises like, I promise to exercise, I promise to save money, and I promise to start a new hobby. They didn't have any of that going on. Their promises were more of, I promise to honor the king. I promise to pay back my debts. I promise to return my borrowed items. Maybe you should do that as well on that part. Okay, so that, that's kind of the, the beginning point of where they began. If that's true, we can say the beginning of New Year's resolutions by the Babylonians is bad theology. Like that is not what Christianity would teach or believe. So here we go. We're going to move forward 4,000 years to today. and We're going to ask, are these kinds of revo- reso- revo- resolutions, thank you, helpful? And my answer to this, as I studied it throughout this week, is yes and no. And that it really depends on what we mean by resolution, one, and two, what's the true motivation behind the resolution? If we mean make promises to ourselves on what we intend to accomplish or do on our sheer willpower alone, then I absolutely mean no. Resolutions are not helpful. The resolution will certainly fail at some point. You might make it past quitter's day, but you're not going to make it forever on willpower alone. Cannot be our driving force. 
But I also want to make the case that someone will say, well, I did a New Year's resolution and it worked and I did it all on my own. And I would say that we have to guard against that kind of mindset. That if a person takes on that position and they consider it to be a success and they did it all on their own, that that type of thinking is completely contrary and against God's word and against the way a Christian lives. The very foundation of our faith and the core of Christianity is not willpower. As Christians, we don't live a lifestyle of saying and just preaching, just try harder. It'll never work. When we do something that we shouldn't, that we should do, when we don't do something that we should do, or we do something that we shouldn't do, our response is not, well, let's make a resolution to try harder and call that Christianity. That's not Christianity. And that's not the way that New Year's resolutions or any resolutions throughout the year is helpful to us. For a resolution to be truly successful is the same way that our daily lives are truly successful. It's not founded on our willpower, but on the power from another. That's Christianity 101. And so we can say it a lot of different ways. The beauty of our Christianity, the miracle of our Christianity, the amazement of our Christianity, even the mystery of our Christianity is that we live our lives in the strength of another, namely the Holy Spirit. Second Thessalonians 1.11, I think supports this very concept. It tells us, this verse is actually telling us how we to pray for one another. And of course, we can also pray for ourselves this way as well. And it says this, to this end, we always pray for you, that our God may make you worthy of his calling and may fulfill every resolve, every resolution for good and every work of faith by his power. We are to depend entirely on the Holy Spirit to do the work in us. And when that happens, yes, resolutions then are helpful for us. Think about it. A resolution or to resolve to do something, it's not a vague intention. It's purposeful. We don't say like, oh, one of these days, I'm going to get to start to exercise. One of these days, I'm going to start to read up through the Bible through the year. That, that's not a resolution. Resolutions are based on determination and strategies that we have. And this verse is talking to us and telling us here that we can resolve good works and it can be done by faith, by his power. But here's the thing. Like resolutions can either be rooted with selfish ambitions. And I think for a lot of times, that's what resolutions are. We have some selfish ambitions out of it. Or they can be rooted in love for God and honor to God. And when that happens, that's a drastically different approach. 
I want us to look at some specific New Year's resolutions like throughout Scripture and see how we can place and put this together. For example, if a person has a New Year's resolution to exercise and eat healthy, the Bible would support that type of resolution. We have verses that say so. Verses like 1 Timothy 4.8. Maybe you're familiar with it. For the training of the body has limited benefit. Certainly, exercising and eating healthy foods are helpful in training the body. And it helps provide a person with good benefits. We all know this to be true. As a general rule, the person who is committed to taking care of his or her body has a healthier body, has a healthier lifestyle than the person who doesn't. I think that's generally known across the board. And as Christians, we should make it a point to take care of our physical bodies. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. Don't you know that your body is a sanctuary of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom we have from God? You are not your own, for you are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. Now, these verses are primarily talking about the importance of a Christian living a clean sexual life. But the application also applies to exercising and dieting and and healthy eating. And the point is this. Our bodies house the Holy Spirit. And it cost God his son to make that happen. The death of Jesus is the buying price for the Holy Spirit to dwell in us. And the conclusion then is, therefore, honor God by taking care of your body. That's the right motivation for why exercising and eating healthy is good and right. But it seems pretty obvious that there is selfish ambitions just lying right behind the corner for ulterior motives to do this. Like, Pride. Now, I know I'm going to stereotype a little bit, but bear with me. Those guys in the gym that walk around, like, they have to wear a tank top. If they didn't have to wear a tank top, they would just go shirtless. Like, they just look good. All right? They have have to be careful. And again, some of you are really good-looking people. You got to be careful because there could be selfish ambitions to this. Honoring God is the main motive behind it. It should be behind it as Christians. Now, because I do not want to get beat up, I want to clearly say, hear me, everybody listening, it is possible for a guy to have ginormous muscles and a six-pack stomach and walk around shirtless and love God and honor God with his body that way. I get that. That can happen. Right? So hear me clearly on that part. But I think it's really important for us to note, to acknowledge, we are very self-ambitious people, self-centered, not God-centered, and this could be a trap. The health nuts. Not a bad thing. But any health nut who is trusting their vegetables, fruit, and smoothies to live a long, long life 
is missing the mark. We trust God for the days that he gives us. That's the point of this. And so I'm going to give a statement for the first time right now that I'm going to give a total of three times, God willing. And here it is. Our resolutions must be twofold. One, we proceed in achieving them by the power of the Holy Spirit, not solely on our own willpower. And two, the motivation for the resolution must be, may God be glorified, Mm -hmm. not look at me. Here's another resolution. If a person has the New Year's resolution to save money, to budget better, the Bible would support that kind of New Year's resolution. If you were here during the Proverbs series, maybe you heard verses like this, Proverbs 21.20. Precious treasure and oil are in the dwelling of a wise person, but a foolish man consumes them. Proverbs 27.12. The prudent sees danger and hides himself, but the simple go on and suffer for it. Now, neither one of these verses mention the word money or savings account or budget, but that's exactly what these verses are about. Wise people save money and they don't spend it on everything. Prudent people are thinking, thoughtful people who plan out and save for times of trouble. And again, The key to getting this type of resolution right and the key for it to be truly successful is to apply biblical principles. Otherwise, if one leaves God's directions out of this and a person just has millions of dollars stashed away and in the public eye, like, whoa, look at that person, super successful. God's word would say, not successful. So what's the motivation behind the resolution to gather and to save money? Is it just comfort? Is it just ease? Is it just security? Is it just prestige? Is it just reputation? The Bible has a lot to say about money. A lot of it comes in a warning fashion. Like in Matthew 19.24, when it talks about how much easier it is to get a camel through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to get to heaven. I think the answer to that is pretty obvious. Now, because I do not want to get beat up by the rich people or have them hire a hitman to beat me up, let me say, it is possible to be wonderful at saving money, having money, budgeting money, gobs of money, and do it in a way that is glorifying and honoring to God. And yet, I'm going to go back to the negative side because I think we need to hear this often. There is real selfish ambition when it comes to money and greed. And so it comes back to the idea of what is the motivation for the resolution. If you're going to do this all on your own willpower, I think according to God's word, it makes it very clear, no. We operate, we do, we spend, we save, we give, we invest through the power of the Holy Spirit. 
Yes, we think these things through. He's given us these types of gifts. But he's the one that we have to rely on. And if our motivation is, God, let me do this in a way that is glorifying to you, then praise be to God for that. And if the motivation for doing this is, yes, I want to do this so I can get this, 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 eat, drink, and be merry mentality, and I don't care about the rest. No. Okay, the last group. New Year's resolutions. I'm going to put this one into a different group. Like so far, we've talked about New Year's resolutions that are very popular within our culture. There's a group of New Year's resolutions that as Christians, I think we can put together for ourselves as well. If we have the New Year's resolution to grow more in our faith, to trust God more, to love Jesus more, to spend more time reading the Bible, to give more money to advancing the kingdom of God, to be a better husband, to be a better wife, to be a better sibling, brother, sister, to be a better child, to, to glorify God more that way, to honor him that way. The Bible would support that type of resolution. Verses, I'm just going to give them to you. Ready? Take 2 Peter 1, 5 through 8. If you have the New Year's resolution of, I want to grow in my faith, Great verse for us. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with goodness, goodness with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control with endurance, endurance with godliness, godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities, if this growing in your faith is this way, if they are yours and are increasing, they will keep you from being useless and unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you make the New Year's resolution, I want to just tr- I want to trust God more. How can I do that on my own willpower? You're going to work. Rely on this Holy Spirit. Rely on Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Do not rely on your own understanding. Think about him in all of your ways, and he will guide you in your right paths. 1 Timothy 4.13, resolutions about being in the word or coming to church more often. Until I come, devote yourself to public teachings, reading of the scripture, and exhortations. Psalm 119.11, God, I, I desire to be more holy. Lord, help me. Help me beat the problems with sin that I struggle with. Psalm 119.11, I have treasured your word in my heart so that I might not sin against you. Holy Spirit, help that be true in my life. Mm-hmm. We have a role to play, but man, the trusting part of it needs to be in the Holy Spirit. Lord, you blessed me with some resources and I want to grow and advance the kingdom of God. Matthew 6, 19 through 21. Don't collect for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy or thieves break in and steal, but collect for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so now for the very third time, and to Christians, the same mindset applies. If we make spiritual resolutions for them to be truly successful, we must proceed in achieving them by the power of the Holy Spirit and not solely on our own willpower. 
And the motivation behind all of these has to be for God's glory and not our own. The worst thing that can happen is that we become some spiritual, self-righteous Christian. The kind Mario talked about at the beginning. Like, we need to just do this and this, and they're puffed up, and they know an answer for everything. I mean, we can all be guilty of that at sometimes. But that, that type of hypocrisy, that type of, of living is a stumbling block to both believers and non-believers. Let us take on instead the attitude that Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15. By, but by God's grace, I am what I am, and his grace towards me was not ineffective. However, I worked more than any of them, yet not I, but God's grace was in me. Who was Paul giving the credit? God. And that needs to be our mindset as well. So my conclusion is this. New Year's resolutions are good. New Year's resolutions can be made at the new year. Resolutions can be made throughout the year. Resolutions are God-stamped approved. And I encourage you to make some. I had someone say, I have 79 of them. I don't know about that many. I mean, the Holy Spirit is big enough to do that. I get it. But I think just start small. And she acknowledged that. But as we make them, as you consider making them, prayerfully consider making them. As you make them, go into them with the idea, I am counting on the Holy Spirit to make this happen. And I think that's very pleasing and honoring to God. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that you have put so many different things of life in front of us and that you have principles and you have teachings and guidings and directions and warnings for us. And so in a room that is like apparently we're mostly indifferent to New Year's resolutions, I thought I'd pray that this would still be helpful. Uh, maybe they could use it to help others who are the, oh, I love New Year's resolutions and say, hey, okay, let's be careful with those and how we can and why we do them. For people who are like, oh, I'm not doing New Year's resolutions, they never work. Well, I pray that they would change that attitude to say, oh, they can work in Christ. They can work with Holy Spirit help. Certainly, we, as, we, as you give us our days you want us to be growing towards you, growing in love with you, growing and glorifying you. So Father, in that context, I pray that we'd make resolutions that would cause us to serve you better, to love you better, and to do it with the strength of the Holy Spirit, and to do it for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.